Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of other people who do as well. We've learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame about their experiences makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Terry is still unavailable to record this week, so I'll be flying solo. Studies show that racism, discrimination, stress, and trauma faced by Black, Indigenous, Hispanic, and Latino groups lead to a greater risk of mental health conditions, including depression, PTSD, anxiety, and substance misuse. In addition, clinical bias, stereotypes, and lack of racial and ethnic diversity in treatment program staff negatively impacting patient interactions, treatment, and trust. These are some of the topics we'll discuss in this week's episode, which is the third of four we're producing this year, focusing on the intersectionality of mental health, race, and trauma. We've looked at generational and family trauma in previous episodes. Today, the focus is treatment trauma. Our guest is Dr. Warren Braden, a licensed marriage and family therapist in training who joins us to give his voice to depression. Let's start sort of definitionally. I think treatment trauma might actually be a new phrase for some people. They may be aware that they have been treated poorly or that there are some risks involved in in getting treatment. But treatment trauma, what does that mean to you? Treatment trauma for me has really come down to encountering therapists or counselors who aren't aware of some of the intricacies of how culture interfaces with a a particular treatment modality and, and not understanding really the context of what's happening with the people who have been traumatized and being able to kind of navigate ways of being healthy. Dr. Braden says the notion of not getting good care is a key factor in mental health disorders, like depression, being underreported and underdiagnosed. And that's part of, I think, the problem in terms of this treatment trauma, and that is most black and brown people, especially African Americans, still have this stigma around um, seeking help when they are feeling depressed. And that's layered on top of people using the word depression because they are experiencing some level of sadness or profound sadness. Um, But of of course, because they're not having these conversations with anybody outside of their circle, you know, they wouldn't know the difference between being very sad and being clinically depressed. And again, it goes back to this is something that has been very taboo in our culture. But in his practice, Dr. Braden says he sees that taboo eroding. The thing that I feel 
most hopeful about is the fact that the younger generation, those individuals, um, some of my clients who are in their late teens and early 20s, they don't bring the same stigma around you know sharing their feelings one way or another and they're much more open to um, thinking about things in a different way addressing their trauma uh, moving forward being healthy so for me I think uh, this notion of treatment trauma should really disappear as old people like me um, fade away It sounds like there's sort of two elements working here. One being that there is a cultural stigma against, I don't want to use the word admitting, but saying that you have a mental health challenge. And then there's the care itself that is supposedly designed to to help us if we do, but it might be causing harm in and of itself. Is Is it both things? Yes. Yeah, it's both things. And then layered on top of that is the training that most therapists and counselors get in terms of looking at depression, most of the time it's not in the in a cultural context. It's in a like, well, you're depressed about this, so let me use this modality to help you not be depressed, but I'm gonna ignore all of the cultural things, all of the family of origin things, all of the things that are directly impacting your ability to um, function. By way of example, Dr. Braden shares about a clinically depressed teenage client of his who was dealing with child abuse and bullying. And we had great sessions when we were together. And he learned some very specific skills to help him um, become less depressed and not, he didn't want to, go on medication but when he goes home he's back in the same neighborhood he's back in the same situation that created that trauma that depression so the only relief he got was the hour or two with me in the session and then he had to go back into the same um, situation so it's not like you can talk somebody out of depression if they're in an environment where they're constantly being reminded, they're constantly bombarded with the elements that made them depressed in the first place. And what is the effect of if, and we're speaking primarily about black and brown communities, if a member of those communities does make the step to get professional care and as, as someone I recently interviewed said, and then I walk into the room and there's this little blonde girl. I, what, what is the, the not being represented? What layer does that add? Of the black and brown therapists, especially the black therapists, uh, we're a much smaller percentage of the whole. So if they are being possibly treated by somebody that doesn't look like them and or doesn't, have an understanding of the culture that they came from, that's really a a huge issue. And, And I would also say that the blonde white girl, depending on where she grew up, would probably have a much better job or a much better attempt at connecting as opposed to 
a black male who grew up in a suburb and never had any of those inner city experiences trying to uh, counsel someone from the inner city. So it's not just the skin color, it's also this sense of shared experiences um, that the therapist has to come out and say, listen, I, I know what you're going through. Um, it's not that I read it in a textbook, it's something that I, I experienced and I came through the other side, so you can too. And I'm not gonna give you the answers, I'm gonna help you figure this out for yourself. Let's talk about that distinction where somebody has a heart attack or, or any other thing and we consider it a medical emergency. But when it's mental health, we right away call it a mental health crisis and treat it like a crisis. I could address it from this level. It, in many inner cities, there seems to be an understood level of stress and trauma and depression that everybody shares it's like well of course you're depressed look at where we live look at what we're going through look at how we've been traumatized and that level of stress and that level of depression and trauma is so high that everybody thinks that that's normal so then when there is something extraordinary that happens like okay that was even worse than i imagined so now let me talk to somebody so so this, this post-crisis is really interesting for me because it almost allows us to ignore the pervasive depression among black and brown communities. It's so common that nobody talks about it. In both his life and practice, Dr. Braden does talk about it. He speaks out against the stigma of mental health challenges and addresses the potential increased risk of treatment trauma when law enforcement is involved in a mental health crisis. We've seen over and over again when the police are called because many of them haven't been adequately trained on how to approach someone with some mental health challenges or in crisis um, because they're just seen as being criminal or deadly, um, therefore I need to address them with deadly force. So because most of us think that uh, or had that direct experience, we're number one, not apt to share any mental health challenges, and then number two, um, definitely not involve the police. Braden believes the recent growth in mental health and trauma training for law enforcement and the involvement of crisis intervention teams are steps in the right direction. So that if it wasn't something criminal uh, where the police were called to a scene, they had a therapist or a counselor with them to really figure out um, what level of uh, policing needed to be involved and, you know, was this just an issue of um, helping de-escalate the situation? But yeah, it's, it's definitely um, an issue that comes up frequently. Braden says another shift that is occurring, one that is organically normalizing conversations about mental health, is the number of high-profile people, from Olympians like Simone Biles, Michael Phelps, and Naomi Osaka, 
to actors and social media influencers who are bringing mental illnesses out of the shadows. There's a much larger awareness about how depression is impacting individuals as they try to navigate through life. And once they come to that awareness, then it's to say, okay, now who can I talk to that is competent enough to deal with my issues and understand who I am and give me some tools in order for me to deal with and get rid of this thing that I have labeled as depression. There's lots of organizations and agencies out there that have people available for them to talk to and it's okay for me to talk to somebody. It doesn't mean that there's something, you know, that I'm a bad person or something is wrong with me. Braden says as both mental health challenges and the resources available to help deal with them become more mainstream, more families are seeing challenges like depression as the public health issues that they are versus viewing them as family secrets. And that, he says, can be empowering. Because the system is not going to cure your depression. Now I can give you some tools that will allow you to identify the trauma, identify what the narrative that you've created in your head about this particular situation, um, how you see yourself. So, no, I don't have faith in this philosophical, metaphorical system because I don't, I don't know what that means. I, but I do know that in order for people to function, they have to be really in tune with and understand the challenges that they've gone through, the trauma that they've gone through, and what it means to be resilient and what they've learned from it and how to move forward. And that, to me, keeps people grounded. So, again, I'm, I'm not p- trying to, to rephrase what you say or say it differently. I'm making sure I hear this correctly. Um, instead of saying the system's broken, the system sucks, the system is causing damage, all of which are true, <laughs> our best move, the best move, is to pretty much avoid it and to talk more, to be real about what you're feeling, to find people who understand whether that's a person who looks like you and understands it from that perspective or if it's a person who has been through a similar experience as yours, regardless of what they look like. And take care of yourself and stay out of the system? Wow, yes. that, Yes. That is, yeah. And I'm just saying that we both as clients and as practitioners have to move beyond like I, like, I don't want to be in the system. I just want to be able to talk to somebody that's going to get me out of this space and get me in a better space. And my issue is going to be, what therapist do I need to connect with that's going to give me what I need? Even if they're a part of, you know, a, a dysfunctional system, which we all are. With this episode, we will be linking to a few resources that Dr. Braden highly recommends. Until next time, take good care of yourselves. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's.
We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.